At Can't Stop Endurance, we work with runners from beginner to advanced, from rookies to marathon champions. We provide personalized coaching to help endurance athletes reach their personal goals. Whether it is a 5K or 100-mile ultra, Can't Stop head coach Kevin Leathers has been there as a coach and an athlete for nearly 40 years. He also serves as the national coach for the St. Jude Heroes program. And now, here's Coach Kevin. Welcome back, Holly. Thanks. Welcome back, too. We're back in the studio. I love recording the podcast. So today we're going to dig into the St. Jude Memphis Marathon weekend. This is our hometown race, so we're very partial to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really grown from a small grassroots race back in the 80s and 90s into this huge event. And um, we've both been involved with it for a long time. Yes. Tell me about your history with the race. My history with the race. My first marathon was the first Tennessee Memphis Marathon, which was what this race grew out of. And when was that? That was 1987 when I ran my first marathon. Oh, wow. Right. Before the internet, before GPS watches, before energy gels. I would like to see a picture of you doing that. I think we can dig one up out of the archives. (laughs) Uh, And since then, it has been the race that, being my hometown race, that I grew through as a runner and then as a coach. Yeah. My times in the beginning were like everybody's. You go out, you learn, and you come back, and you... um, and it's where I eventually PR'd several times, and it's the race where I qualified for Boston the first time. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so I've got fond memories. And now, as a coach and as the national coach of the St. Jude Heroes, I'm very involved on the planning and logistics. Yeah. I'm kind of seeing it from the inside. So it's, yeah. it's just a special, it's, it's really got a special place in my running heart. How long have you been doing that? How long have you been the St. Jude Heroes coach? This will be the seventh year that I've been the St. Jude Heroes coach. And it started with this race. I started working locally with the runners training for this race, the St. Jude Heroes. And then it grew into training all the St. Jude Heroes across the country who are running any race for St. Jude um, around the globe. Yeah. And how about you? Um, This is, I think, probably my 11th year, I think, being involved in it. This is actually the first... When I got into running in my 20s, I actually trained for the 5K when it was the Grizzlies 5K. Um, And so I got involved then, and then I started doing the half marathon. And so my role in it has grown, not in the race itself, but my support of it. This is my eighth year, I think, leading a St. Jude training group for my school. And so every Saturday for the past eight years from June until the race, I'm out here on Saturday mornings helping students and faculty and parents and alums train for the race. Um, so I've been involved in it for, for quite some time. And, uh, and so it's usually the half that I do. I've never done the full there. I've done the 5k the first year, and then I've done the half marathon every year since then for the most part. And my daughter is a part of it too. She likes to do the, uh, um, the St. Jude, uh, the, the kids marathon. And so we always get involved in our heroes and raise money for that with lemonade and cookie stands. <laughs> right. Well, this is a big event for Memphis running. The whole yeah. community is, we, we've got this very passionate, vibrant mm-hmm. running community for a city, the size of Memphis and a passionate vibrant community who supports St. Jude because it's awesome right. what we have here in Memphis. Right. Everyone knows someone who works at St. Mm-hmm. Jude because it's a huge employer and they do this amazing work yeah. that affects the whole globe. So it's really a great story, but it also includes the whole city. Yes. Everyone I know who's a runner mm-hmm. is either competing, volunteering, 
uh, handing out water, handing out water, working the finish line, raising yeah. it. So everyone's involved, which is, it, it's really special because yeah. the whole running community and then the whole city really rallies around this yeah. event. And that's how I kind of sell the race here at my school to get people involved is to say, this is one of the best things that we do. Everybody comes out. Everybody knows about St. Jude and our running community in Memphis is pretty awesome. And so it's a great thing to support. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's Memphis at its best. Yes. And we'll have 25,000 runners. Mm-hmm. And I'd say I'm going to estimate that 8,000 of those are local. Yeah. So we are almost 20,000 runners coming from around the country and some from overseas to run this event. So it's really grown into a national, almost international event. Yeah. So tell us about the history. Tell us about how that evolved from this small race in 1987 to what it is now. Well, it goes goes way back. I remember being a, a high school runner. And we heard, we also, we saw a flyer on the wall at the local running store about the Memphis Marathon. And we went out on, um, it, we, it used to be called the Penal Farm. Now it's Shelby Farms and it's a huge urban yeah. park. But these crazy runners were going to be running on the farm roads through the Penal Farm. Oh. And it was two laps. There was, it, it, back then it was very isolated. So we wanted to go see this thing in person because we had read about the Boston Marathon and the New York City Marathon. We had never seen a marathon or anybody who would do one. Yeah. So I have vivid recollection of going out oh, there I and watching this. I have no idea game. that's where it started. Yeah. And I'm, I bet if I look back, I'm sure there's some local historians who could tell us. I bet yeah. there weren't 25 people in the race. Oh. Oh, yeah. Was, and you were one of them? Oh, no, no. I was just watching. We wanted oh, okay. to go see it Oh, you just went to watch. We okay. went to watch it. And then it became uh, the first Tennessee Memphis Marathon. And it moved downtown near the first Tennessee Bank headquarters. Okay. And it went through several variations and courses. Um, one of those courses, if you can believe it, went from downtown in front of the first Tennessee Bank building all the way east on Central and Poplar oh. to Yates over to Walnut Grove and then back downtown. Oh, wow. Uh, so it was it really covered the whole city, but it was a traffic nightmare. So. Yeah. And then it evolved into various versions of the course to what we see today. Mm-hmm. And then in 2002, um, the St. Jude Children's Research Hospital bought the race or invested in the race. Mm-hmm. And in conjunction with the Memphis Runners Track Club, who had grown yeah. this from the beginning and still drives it because they're one of the big managers of the race along with St. Jude, it's really grown we've gone from what used to be a big field would have been 2000 runners or 3000 runners. Mm -hmm. They added the half marathon, like a lot of big races started doing to draw more runners. Mm -hmm. Then they've added the 5k and they've added the 10k and the kids marathon that you mentioned. And now we get 25,000 runners from this little race that began out (laughs) in the, in the farmland of Shelby County to this major marathon. Yeah. And I go to, the big race expos around the country to promote the St. Jude Memphis marathon weekend. Mm-hmm. And we've really seen it evolve and grow really just in the last five years where people come up to me at the expo booth at the New York city marathon expo and say, Oh my gosh, this is the race in Memphis where we get to run through the St. Jude yeah. campus. And I've seen all the videos and I can't wait to come do that because it seems like it's very special. Yeah. And, it, and I think that's what makes it different yeah. than other races. Yeah. It is so over the years. I've had several of my friends from college who will call or text me and say, "Hey, I'm coming in town." And these are people from all over the country. And I have even one girl from Canada who who came in. So yes, it's a it's, it's a big draw. So what makes it so special? You know, it, you you take the running community in general, mm-hmm. and we're a very um, 
family-oriented group, <laughs> meaning that you go to a race and there's somebody you haven't seen yeah. since last year, yeah. and it's like homecoming. Yeah, you, you bond with runners. Now you layer in this huge emotional, inspirational yeah. factor that is St. Jude Children's Research Hospital that touches and changes the entire world. And it, it really is a special setting. It's the single largest one-day fundraising event for St. Jude. In one day, that one-day event last year raised a little over $10 million. Oh. Huge amount of money. Yeah. And this is, all of that money is money that is raised through donations by the St. Jude Heroes. So mm-hmm. runners who come in, they commit to raise money for the St. Jude Heroes program. Yeah. That $10 million is all fundraising. Your entry fee that a hundred percent goes to just putting on the race. Oh, I didn't T-shirts, know T-shirts, food, yeah. barricades, police, mm-hmm. all the things that they have to pay for, okay. space rental, all those things. That's your entry fee. That $10 million is complete generosity of runners and their people who donate to their efforts. So there's that. Um, the race course passes through the campus of yeah. St. Jude. That's mm-hmm. – you've done that. Oh, you know yeah. that you're running through this special I'm place. I'm choked up by now thinking about it. <laughs> right? It is. I get goosebumps every yeah. time I talk about it. And yeah. I talk about it several times All a week time. to runners. <laughs> you run through that campus. And on race day, the patients, yeah. these, these children with a hospital mask over their yeah. face, and their parents are standing out there holding a sign that says, you're my hero. Or the sign says, if I can go through 12 weeks of chemo, you yeah. can finish these next five miles yeah. or whatever the sign says. Yeah inspirational rocket fuel type adrenaline that you never forget. Yeah. And see, so you're, you're emotional just thinking about <laughs> the time you did I am, it. Y'all, I, got, I got some tears in my eyes. And yes. every time I do it, yeah. I get the same, same effect. Yeah. And it is one of the only marathons in the world that is actually owned and operated by the charity that it benefits. So it is okay. truly a St. Jude event. event. Yeah. That's awesome. So let's, let's talk about the running part of this. Memphis in December is typically ideal running weather. Okay. Our average high in December is 56. Mm-hmm. I think our average low is 38. Yeah. So ideal race morning, you know, low 40s. We'd love it to be overcast. Mm-hmm. Now, yes, we have those years where it's super cold or a little too warm. But on on yeah. average, it's ideal running weather. I can't think in, in the last 11 years, maybe just one year where the weather was really bad. Everything else has just been... Perfect. Yeah, absolutely we, perfect. We had the ice storm year, mm-hmm. and we had that year or two where it got up into the 60s, maybe 70. But yep. for the most part, it's perfect. Perfect weather. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's talk a little bit. So that's the weather. So we're getting into again just the weekend. Um, t- let's talk a little bit about pre-race. So let's kind of walk through everything step by step. So let's talk about the pre-race and the expo and how all that works. Yeah. So like you and I talk about all the time and what we talk about to our runners all the time is be prepared, be Mm -hmm. informed, go on the website now, Yes. download the participant guide, pay attention to your emails, read the emails that they send. I already know my bib number, right? They're going to tell you where to be, what time to be there. If you'll do all that, you don't have any, any hiccups. So the race expo is at the cook convention center, downtown Memphis, Mm -hmm. Thursday from noon until seven. Friday from noon until 9 p.m. Mm-hmm. Everybody has to come pick up their bib. Yes. Bring your ID. You can't pick up your friend's bibs. It's a security issue. It's a liability issue. And you cannot pick it up on race morning. 
Right. I have a lot of local people who will text me and say, can I pick it up the morning of? No, you cannot. You have to come downtown to the expo yep. to pick up your packet. And if you're from out of town, again, we have almost 20,000 people flying and driving in. Don't, don't try to come in at 7 p.m. on Friday. If, if you need to take the whole day off on Friday, take the whole day off yeah. and come down before it gets really crowded and traffic picks up. Yeah. If you're local, come down on Thursday mm-hmm. and you'll breeze in and out and you can have walk all the time you want to walk through the expo. It's not crowded. All the vendors are there. We'll be there on the, in the speakers area doing course previews mm-hmm. and some coach chatting and that kind of stuff. Um, so make sure you get down in time to go to the expo. Okay. And then another unique part of the race is the Heroes Pasta Party on Friday night. Mm -hmm. There's a certain level of hero fundraising where you get to go to this dinner. And in the past, it was like, ah, I don't need to go to another pre-race pasta dinner. Mm -hmm. That's not what this is. This is 2,000 runners and their people. Yeah. And it sells out every year. Because once you see it, you never want to miss it again. And you'll hear from a patient family. You'll hear from Rick Shadiak, the CEO of ALSAC. Okay. It's inspirational. It's motivational. I get goosebumps thinking about it. I've never been to that. You, yeah, I, I know somebody. <laughs> you do you, yourself. <laughs> it's just an amazing thing. So yeah. if, you're, if you don't have tickets this year for the Heroes Pasta Party, make sure you get in the right fundraising level for next year and don't miss that pasta party because it's really amazing. Yeah. And then race morning. Let's let's jump right to okay. race morning. Uh, downtown Memphis is not very big. It's easy to get around. There's lots of surface parking and on-street parking. So if you get down there early enough on race morning, if you're not fortunate enough to have a hotel downtown, and mm-hmm. hotels have been sold out for yeah. months, if, if you're coming next year, book go ahead and now. book your hotel yeah. now. And if you're a hero high enough, then you get a free hotel downtown. Exactly. But you got to get in that early also because yeah. those sell out. So... We recommend that if you're driving in, if you're a local, you know exactly how long it takes you to get yes. downtown. You can't rely on that race morning. Mm-hmm. You might say, well, Saturday morning, there's no traffic in downtown Memphis. True. But on race day. 20,000 people and families are coming down there. Right. Mm-hmm. And you've got the largest 5K, 10K in Memphis starting yeah. at 7 a.m. right outside of AutoZone oh, right. Park. Mm-hmm. AutoZone Park is our baseball stadium where the race starts and finishes. Yeah. So... Streets will start to close at 6.30, 6.45, and you'll be stuck trying to get into downtown. So we encourage you to get downtown and be parked yeah. no later than 6.15 because then you can walk into the baseball stadium, get out of the weather, mm-hmm. find the restrooms and all of those things. Yeah. I always get down there super early and just sit in my car and read a book, get a newspaper and wait until it's time for me to get out. Yeah. I think if you roll in there at six or six fifteen, you have no problem finding a parking space. Okay. Um, bag check. Is that inside AutoZone Park? It has been in the past. This year it's new. Okay. It's right That's out. That's what I thought. Cause a lot of things have changed this year. Yes. A lot of changes. The course changed, mm-hmm. the layout of AutoZone Park changed. So we want you to be aware of those changes. Every, there's a lot of things different, but it's all very similar to what we've done in the past. Okay. So, Good to know. Yeah. So bag check is right outside of AutoZone. Okay. So you won't leave your bag inside AutoZone. You'll, on your way to your start corral, you'll drop it off at the bag check. Okay. And if you go on the website, you'll see where the bag check is on the finish area map. Okay. So we want you to, if you've got a bag to check, be headed that way a good 30 minutes before your race starts because Mm -hmm. the 5k 10k start at seven 
and then the half and the full marathon start at eight. Okay. So that's a change from last year. Yes. And that we had some logistical issues with races merging Mm -hmm. and traffic jams of runners on the course. We've alleviated that with the new course design and the new start time. So, well, let's talk about the course. Let's get into, into that. Let's talk about how the crowds work. How do they work for this race? In order to get 25,000 runners started safely on the course, we do start waves. So when you walk up to the start line, you'll see corral number one. That's the elite wave. And there'll be a huge sign that says under seven minutes per mile pace. If you're going to run the half or the full under seven minutes per mile, that's where you go. Okay. And hopefully all the people in that corral are running a similar pace. That's the key. That is the key. There are people who have no idea what they're doing and they'll get in the way. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, if we all try to select the proper corral, Mm -hmm. it's safer and better for everybody involved. So you'll go out and you'll find your corral. And at 8 a.m., they'll fire the start cannon and wave number one will start. They will walk the next corral number two up to the start line Mm -hmm. and a minute or two minutes later, depending upon the timing this year, they'll shoot the cannon and wave two will take off. Okay. And they will do that till we get all the, all the waves done. And there might be 25 waves this year. Mm -hmm. So if you're a 14 minute per mile runner, you probably aren't going to start until eight 30. Yeah. So don't be in a panic at at eight o'clock. Right. So that's how the corrals work. If you've never, if you've done it, you know what it means and it makes sense. If you've never done it, just be where you're supposed to be, get in the right corral and then just relax and, okay. and run your race. All right. So the course this year is completely revamped. Start line is different. Finish line is different. So let's walk through that so that people will understand um, the different parts of the, of the course. So where does it start this year? It starts down in front of the FedEx Forum on 3rd, which okay. is also called BB King. Mm-hmm. We start there. It's right there between the Weston and the FedEx Forum, mm-hmm. and we head south this year. Yep. And we head south for a few blocks, and we wind around till we get to mile one at Beale Street in front. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of get back on the traditional course where we go south, down through the South Bluffs, we turn right on Riverside and yep. come back down that long sweeping hill with the river on your left mm-hmm. and the skyline on your right. Probably one of the prettiest parts of the course. Yep. You'll come down that hill and then at mile three, you make that right turn off of Riverside to go up Beale Street. That's that kind of steep. It's yeah. it, You're going up the river bluff. Yep. So it's, it's 240 yeah. meters. Yeah, it's not long, but it's pretty uphill. Right. And we want to run that on effort not pace Mm -hmm. a short hill that early in the race if you're trying to hold your pace Mm -hmm. you're going to spike your heart rate and it's going to take you miles to get your heart rate recovered what you want to do is basically run off of effort just hold your effort let your pace slow Mm -hmm. don't don't even look at your watch going up the hill because it's going to be bad news yeah when when you get to the top it's going to be it's going to physically hard mentally you could go to a bad place right so just relax you're going to lose a few seconds there but you'll get them back because you're going to come back down that same bluff on court a little later in the race so now you're headed through downtown you're you're headed north towards the Mm -hmm. saint jude campus and we're going to go through that saint jude campus at mile five five, soak that up enjoy it yeah and when you come out of the saint jude campus this is new. We turn left. Left. Instead of going down North Parkway, right. we go back towards the river. Yep. And the whole, here's a big change this year. The entire half marathon is downtown. I'm looking at the map right now and it looks like all 13 miles are literally within 
like a mile radius. Yep. We never get that far from the river. No, not at all. And here's a good time to talk about that. When this race was 2,000 runners, it was much easier to manage. Mm -hmm. Now it's 25,000 runners. There's four different races and there's two different start lines. It's a logistical undertaking Mm -hmm. to say the least. So we rely on the Memphis Runners Track Club, volunteers, the Memphis Police Department, all those entities to put on a safe race. And the race has grown so large that some of those areas of the course got hard to patrol. So all the powers that be sat down this year and said, how can we alleviate some of these traffic snarls and keep the runners safer? There were some areas where the streets weren't closed. Cars were a little too close to runners for comfort. Nobody was comfortable with that. So all the powers that be sat down and, and the, the police department basically saying, we can give you a safer race and close more streets, but you have to do a couple of things for us. We can't cross this major intersection. We yeah. can't go through this area of town mm-hmm. because we just don't have the manpower to close all the intersections to keep everyone safe. Okay. So we sat down and we, we laid out a new course where the police department said, yes, we can close this street and this street. And this. so you're going to see a lot of closed streets this mm-hmm. year that we haven't had in the past. So okay. safer, better. And for spectators. Easier. They could go from so point to much point easier. to point. Yeah. So for the, if we look at the map, your runners can see you at the start, at mile one, at mile three, and at mile seven. All within a couple blocks. Three blocks. And yeah. then walk to the finish east no and walk east and see you at mile 10 coming up danny thomas oh yeah and then walk to the finish finish. so really great for spectators okay so back to the course you've gone through the saint jude campus Mm -hmm. and you come back in front of the bass pro pyramid Mm -hmm. you can't miss that now we're going south we go down that river bluff hill on court so anytime you lost going up the river the bill street hill you're gonna get it back back here Mm -hmm. then we do this is new for the course we go south on riverside yeah so again, the, now the river's on your right side. Mm-hmm. You get a good view. And that last half mile up Riverside before you get to mm-hmm. the South Bluffs, there's a hill. Yeah. It's about a half mile long. It's not super steep. Mm-hmm. And it's the longest hill on the course. Yeah. And that's it. So mm-hmm. it's not steep enough to really, I'm not going to tell you, oh, you got you to gotta run just off of effort there. Mm-hmm. You can pretty much hold close to pace going up that hill. Yeah. Then we go up. We go up Channel 3 Drive there at mile 8. Mm-hmm. We come through the south end of downtown, mile nine, mile ten. We're back on Danny Thomas, and then we get up here towards mile eleven. If you're, if if our listeners have a course map in front of them, it'll make this a lot easier. At mile eleven is where the course splits. Oh, okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Now we've talked about this a lot with our runners. If you're in a big race where there's a half marathon and a marathon, and you're running the marathon, you've really got to be mentally prepared for this split, because Three quarters of the runners. Most people are doing the half. (laughs) Exactly. So you may be running with a pack of 10 people and there's a really good chance eight or nine of them are going to turn right and finish the half marathon and you're by yourself. Uh So as, and I hear this frequently, oh my gosh, everyone I was running with turned and I was all by myself and I crumbled. Mm -hmm. No, you trained to run the marathon. Don't get caught in their finishing kick either. Mm -hmm. If you look around and everybody else has on a, half marathon colored bib yeah be aware that at mile 10 they're going to start picking up the pace don't get pulled into that and yeah. then when they all turn great see y'all later because you got to keep going oh man you got more more than halfway to go yeah mm-hmm. so okay at this point the half marathon is going to turn right which is east and go up towards uh through victorian village mm-hmm. which is the old old 
20th century, 19th century wealthy part of town. It's the old Victorian mansions. Mm -hmm. You'll run through there. It's very scenic. You'll come down through the medical center on Manassas, and then you'll make your last turn onto Union, and you'll make a straight shot all the way down Union. You've got the overpass there at Danny Thomas, which is a half mile from the finish. Mm -hmm. Just a regular overpass. So don't, you just, you got to let it all hang out at that point. And then we come into the finish line. This is new this year. The finish line has always been in the baseball stadium. Mm -hmm. The the most recent finish line was where you went through the center field wall and finished right there in center Uh field. Yeah. We've outgrown that gate with 25,000 runners. The, the venue it was just, it, it wasn't safe anymore. Hard to manage and hard to funnel all those people. Okay. Also, we had a lot of feedback from spectators that the finish line was way out in center field. And you couldn't see them. Couldn't see them. Yeah. So now we're moving the, the finish line right outside of AutoZone onto mm-hmm. Union. It'll be a traditional, huge finish line. Your people can stand right there on the barriers and cheer for you and okay. take pictures and all of that. So finish right there on Union outside the stadium. And we'll talk about the finish area after we finish the marathon. But so then the marathoners continue on. We go, there's an overpass right there at 11 and a half over I-40, right behind St. You'll see the St. Jude campus again on your left. Mm -hmm. Then we turn right onto North Parkway. Okay. So they do, okay, what the half marathoners used to do. They would go all the way down. Yes. North Parkway. All the, yes. So now if you've run Memphis before, you're going to recognize this part of the course because this is very traditional. Mm -hmm. This is back when I ran my best races. This is where we went out North Parkway. Yeah. So we go out North Parkway. There's a overpass right there at mile 12 and a half. Okay. Not a big, just a regular overpass. There's the underpass at mile 13 mm-hmm. next to Crosstown. And then we make that right turn onto Stonewall. Stonewall uh, organically has become the fun party street of the race. Yeah. I'm, rem- I'm looking at it. I'm remembering that now. There's tons right. of tents. There's tons of crowd. They're out there with all kind of stuff for you to partake in. So be careful if you're running it. It's, it's right there from mile 13 to mile 14, 14. and a half. If someone holds out a cup, check what it is, smell it. Cause it could be fireball. It could be a jello shot. Yeah. It could be water. Yeah. Just make sure you know anything. what you're taking. Yeah. Okay. So you'll go up and back on Stonewall. You come back onto North Parkway. You oh, head. It's interesting that they just included just an out and back on Stonewall just to include that group of people. I like that. Yeah. Right. You're having a good time. Then you go all the way out to Overton Park, and we're going to make that loop through Overton Park. It's got a little bit of a false flat there mm-hmm. at mile 16, and then downhill to the golf course clubhouse. And then I want you to be alert at mile 17, because you're going to make a left turn right in front of the art college. And behind the art college, there's a little short steep hill. That'll, if you don't know it's there, it, mm-hmm. it, you know it's short, yeah. it's steep, get up the hill, get back on pace, no yeah. big deal, but just know it's there. Then we're going to run the perimeter of the park. We're going to go down Poplar. We're going to go left on East Parkway. And at mile 19, we're going to go through the Hind Park neighborhood. Okay. Quiet, flat streets, really pretty neighborhood. We're in there for almost two miles. We come back out onto North Parkway by Rhodes College. And then we're headed back downtown finally. Mm -hmm. But there's a little bit of a detour through the Valentine Evergreen neighborhood right there at mile 22. Nothing special about that. It's flat. Just go through the neighborhood. And then it will bring you back out onto North Parkway at Stonewall for the last stretch, mile 23, mile 24. Mm-hmm. You got that overpass again at 23 and a half that yep. you came over earlier. No big deal. And then there's something down there about mile 
you're running down North Parkway. You want you to picture this big old boulevard with a center median, huge trees, mm-hmm. kind of a canopy of trees. Yeah. Can't see much up. It's just a, it's a really pretty street. And you're running, you're at mile 24. Okay. And I have vivid recollection of this because when I ran my best marathon, it happened to me at this same point on the course. You're wondering, oh my God, where's downtown? <gasps> my legs feel like lead. My yeah. feet feel like they're full of glass. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And then right about 24 and a quarter, the trees kind of part and you see the St. Jude campus mm-hmm. and you see that big silver shiny pyramid and you know that you're back downtown. You get a little burst of energy. You get a great burst. Oh my gosh, there it is. We're yeah. almost done. So we go back down. We take a left on Danny Thomas right at the St. Jude campus. Mm-hmm. Your last hill. So do they go through it twice? No, no. You're, you're going to make that left behind campus. So okay. you're just on the outside of the campus. You're going to come back over that last hill, which is the I-40 overpass right there behind St. Jude. And now you got a flat straight shot, mile 25 to 26, down Danny Thomas Boulevard, a right turn on Beale, a right on 4th, and then a quick left, and there's the finish line. Same finish line mm-hmm. the half-marathoners use. So, brand new course. I think people are going to be happy with it. Okay. I think if you really look at this, it's got the hill at Beale Street, short and steep. Mm-hmm. you got that long, gradual half-mile climb up Riverside, not a big deal, and then five overpasses to deal with other than that this is a pretty runnable flat course i'm excited i'm excited to get out there and and see what see what the half marathon hall is because that's what i do i've never done the the full here and it looks like it's a pretty pretty tight course yeah i really i think they're going to be happy with it i think it's i think from a spectator's standpoint and a crowd standpoint it's going to be improved i think Mm -hmm. from a course safety aspect it's Mm -hmm. going to be improved the finish line is better. Um, I think it's got it's got such great potential to be okay. And I like to um, you know, and, and we and we pointed pointed this out how easy it's going to be for people to see this. I think that is awesome that you could go out there and see your runner at least four or five times. But y'all, look at the map. Make sure you plan ahead. Tell your moms, your dads, <laughs> whoever else is coming out to watch. Give them this map and tell them where to be it's super accessible yeah you can you can stay on union and just go up and back back and forth on union and see the whole you know see see five times so i think really spectator friendly okay well that is awesome so that's the course that's the new course so let's talk about now once the race is over what are your tips so we have a whole new layout of the finish line festival at autozone park we finish right outside on union okay and before you go into the stadium, I was going to say, are, are they allowing people into the stadium? Is that where the post-race food and all this stuff is? Yes, like everything usual? else is the same. Okay, we're just finishing outside the stadium. Have and to go, go in. into the, yes, okay. everything else is pretty similar. Bag check is right there at the finish line. So if you've got a bag that you need to pick up, you'll go to the left and go through the bag check line, and then get back in the flow and go into the stadium. If you don't have a bag to pick up, you'll just go straight and turn right and go right into the stadium. Okay. And then we're going to keep you moving. You're not going to be able to get out yet because we need to keep, it's in your best interest to keep moving. Okay. Yes. And yes. But also you're going to get your metal. You're going to get your Mylar blanket. And then we're going to turn you into the stadium and we're going to walk around the concourse to the right to the food area, which is out on that right field deck. Okay. Get all the food you want. Mm-hmm. There's all kind of food. Right. Along the way, if you've got a bag that you've checked, 
I strongly encourage you to duck into one of those stadium bathrooms. And change. Buy some warm clothes. Get off the wet, sweaty stuff. Yep. Get off the wet socks and shoes and put on those dry clothes. You shall feel so much better. Yeah, I do that immediately. Don't stand around for hours in your wet clothes. No. So change clothes. Keep moving. Get your food. And then we're going to walk you around the perimeter over to the left field side, mm-hmm. which is where you'll exit the finish corral. Okay. From there, the family meeting area is set up in the stands of the baseball stadium. Will fans be allowed inside the stadium? The yes. Stadium? Okay. Because that's where you're going to meet your family. So the, um, I'm going to make it up, the G through K family meeting area is going to be in that section right by third base. Okay. So that's where the meeting area is down in the stands. All right. Right? Yeah. And then you're free to go downstairs to the locker room to change or shower or mm-hmm. go back to your hotel or go take all the selfies and ring the PR bell. Uh, if you qualified for Boston, we have a special surprise for those runners. Yeah. So a lot of cool stuff. It's a great place to hang out, uh, watch the, the video scoreboard, uh, go back out to the finish line mm-hmm. and watch everybody finish okay. and just enjoy the day. So Holly, you coach your St. Jude heroes team mm-hmm. at work. What's the feedback you get from your runners about this race? It's all positive. I mean, it is. I think if you go back to what we said about what makes it a special race for my people, we're all here. You know, we're all here in in Memphis. And for a lot of the people that I train, some of them are doing it maybe for the first time. Um, actually, I'm, I would say a, a majority of them are doing it for the first time. And some are repeat runners, but they all talk about just especially being from here when they run the course, how many people they know. And it's almost like running through your own parade, especially the half marathon where there's so many people and everywhere you go. I mean, your name's on your bib anyway. <laughs> and so I always have people who are like, Holly, coach, because I, sometimes I've coached in my bib and everybody's hollering at you. But I go every mile with seeing at least two or three people that I know. And so they all talk about just the how much they were worried about the race itself. But once they got down there and they got moving and they, you know, we were everybody's there for St. Jude and there's so many people who have the, 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 um, the singlets on and you run through campus and I just, I, there's really nothing that I've had a rumor come and say, ah, this was bad. This was negative. Even if maybe it wasn't their best day, they still love the experience because as we said earlier, it is just in my opinion and yours and several other people, it's one of the best things that we do here in Memphis. Oh, absolutely. It's Memphis at its best. So let's talk about post-race. These are general guidelines. For any race. For any race. But for our race in particular, for Saturday, for Sunday, for the following week, especially for the marathoners, Mm -hmm. keep moving. We hear people, oh, I don't want to have to walk all the way through the stadium. It's good for you. Active recovery. Don't sit down. Keep moving, keep moving, then go home, go back to your hotel, take your shower, clean up if you want to lie down for a little bit, and then get up Saturday evening and get mm-hmm. out and walk around. Yeah. If you've there's gone, usually a concert that night. There's a concert that night. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, you're, if you're staying at your house, go home, get up, go out and walk the dog or go walk around the neighborhood. Just get moving. Mm-hmm. The more you move Saturday and Sunday, the better you're going to feel Monday. Mm-hmm. If you lie around all day Saturday and Sunday, Monday's going to be <laughs> uglier than it has to be. Yes. <laughs> And then that goes the same with hydration and fueling. Mm-hmm. As soon as you're done, 
especially the longer the race, the more critical it is. Yeah. Start refueling. Mm-hmm. If, if all you can stomach is water at that point, start pushing fluids because your yeah. body needs everything. Mm-hmm. And the more you're able to refuel and rehydrate from the moment you cross the finish line through Saturday, again, the better you'll feel Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Yep. And then if, I don't know if you prefer ice or heat for recovery, we're not going to get into that debate. That's a whole other episode, but apply those remedies. Um, And then like you said, active recovery, what, what do you like your people to do? That first week, just move. I mean, if it's walking your dog for 20, 30 minutes a day, if it's going to a spin class, that isn't that you just set your own, your own goal and you don't get caught up in the competition of things, whatever you can do to move, do it. I don't always suggest that you go for a run that first week. Let's hold off on that for maybe a a week or so, but I would say move, do not just lay around for um, a week. Yeah. Do something. I think, I think for half marathoners, you can aim to be running again by Wednesday or Thursday, Mm -hmm. like go out and Shake out an easy three, see how it feels. Easy 20 minutes. If anything's barking at you, Mm -hmm. go home, call it a day. For marathoners, I like, I like my marathoners to, our goal is to be running the next weekend. Mm -hmm. So let's give you five, six days of just active recovery. Like you said, yoga, spin class, cycling, swimming, whatever that is. And then let's go out on next Saturday or Sunday and try that easy Easy. three to four miles. Mm -hmm. And if something's bothering you? Just walk. You'll know right away whether yes. you should be running or not. Yeah. And as soon as you feel that, stop. Because what you want to do, you're pumped. You just ran a half marathon. Maybe you set a PR and now you're excited because you want to do the next thing. And if you get out there that weekend and you try to push yourself, you might end up having to sit out for a little while. Yeah. And I think having another goal out there is critical because you've built, we, we talk about this a lot. People build this big aerobic endurance engine training for this race. And then they take a week or a month or six months off Mm -hmm. and you just let all that training go. So set a new goal, even if it's a 5k in January or February, Mm -hmm. don't let all this fitness go. Mm -hmm. You don't have to keep training at the same volume and intensity you were, but at least have a winter maintenance program. And maybe that's a future episode that you stick with to maintain that aerobic fitness so that when 2019 comes around and it's time to start again, Mm -hmm. you're that much farther ahead. Cause there's a lot of people from Memphis who this is their, this is what they do every year. And once it's over, maybe it's four or five months before they do anything. And then they start over again, training for St. Jude. And it's, you know, it's it's difficult to start over every year. Yeah. and, And we see it, with our can't stop runners, right? The people who come into this race, Mm -hmm. whether it's this race or their goal race, if it's a half marathon or a marathon and they have a good race and then they capitalize on that by maintaining their fitness for a few easy weeks. And then we go pick that next goal and they, the improvement is drastic, right? It's, it's when they stop doing and we have to start all over again, Mm -hmm. building the base and building speed. So There's a lot to be gained from starting your next season at a higher place on the ladder mm-hmm. and not going all the way back, all the way back down to yep. the bottom. All right. Anything else that you think people need to know about the St. Jude Marathon weekend? Look for you. I'll be at the Race Expo all day, both days. We'll be doing a live version of this course preview at the Expo. Okay. I'll be there all day answering questions, talking to runners. So if you have questions about your training, the race, the course, the finish line, 
uh, where to get the best barbecue in Memphis, <laughs> all those things. Uh, I'll be where at do the you expo. Get the best barbecue? Oh, I'm not. I'm not answering that in, on the air. Okay, I'm getting in trouble. <laughs> uh, it, I'm not a big barbecue snob. I like a lot of different barbecue places. Okay. There's a few right Me now too. that are my favorite, but yeah, right. you, you really can't go wrong. Okay, with any of the big barbecue places in town. They're not. That we're not going to name. No, no, we're not going to. We're not going to. I'm not going to name that right now. So we invite those of you who are coming to Rome with us this year, stop by the expo and say hello, introduce yourself. And if you are not coming this year, we strongly encourage you to put yeah. this on your race calendar for next Why year. Why aren't you? Right. Get here. A registration opens May 1st. The half marathon sells out quickly. Mm-hmm. The 10K sells out. Everything's sold out right now. Uh, there's still slots for the marathon. That, that, you're right. That doesn't sell out. That will that will typically, if it's going to sell out, it'll sell out around Thanksgiving. Because people are that last, they're trying to find that last marathon of the season. Yeah. And oh, there's there's Memphis that's still open, so I'll go jump in that. So come run with us. We think it's a special race. We we think we have a very special local running community, and uh, we'll make you feel like family. We will. All right. Way to go. Great job, Coach Holly. You too, Coach Kevin. All right. So please go to iTunes and hit the subscribe button. You can also find us on Stitcher. Leave us a review. Five stars. What? Why wouldn't you do that? You can reach out to us at coach at canstarpendurance.com. Also, we are on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And remember, as always, Coach Kevin, tell us. Run smart, train hard, and race fast. Thanks for listening. See you next time.